All right, guys. So um, at the beginning of the service, I mentioned that this will be a, a different kind of service. Um, we'll be spending some time in, in quiet reflection a little bit later in prayer. And we're also going to celebrate communion together. We usually do that the first Sunday of the month. But since it's the last Sunday of, of the year, I thought it would be a, a nice way to close out the year. And so um, this morning, we're just going to briefly go through a passage in Second Chronicles 30. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, um, why don't you turn with me to Second Chronicles 30. And I'll, I'll just give you a bit of a background before I read this passage. Um, if you remember last week, we talked a little bit about the history of the kings in Israel, how Israel had demanded that they have a king, just like all the other nations did. And before this, they had judges who were installed to oversee the affairs of the nation and to point people to their true king, to God himself. But the people demand to Samuel, the last judge, that he install a king for them. Um, and, and as we read the Old Testament, we see that it doesn't work out very well. Um, after some time, the Israelites split into two separate kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And and it's, it's a mess. It's all a mess. When you boil it all down, the reason for this mess is rebellion. It's sin. Both kingdoms turn away from God. Both take up the practices of the surrounding nations, idol worship. Um, and idol worship included some horrible things, like child sacrifice even. Um, in fact, it gets so bad in the northern kingdom of Israel that God turns them over to the Assyrians um, who destroy the nation and haul most of the people away. And, and things aren't much better in the southern kingdom of Judah. They too had engaged in false worship. And we saw last week that the prophet Isaiah warns King Ahaz to turn back to the Lord. And King Ahaz refuses and just continues in his rebellion and his sin. But there is a glimmer of hope for the kingdom of Judah. Ahaz passes away, and Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, becomes king. Hezekiah is very different from his father, and he recognizes the need to turn back to God. He's seen the evil practices of his father. He's seen what it's done to the nation and to the northern kingdom of Israel. He saw how it meant their destruction. And so he proceeds to have the temple cleaned out and repaired. He has the priests, the Levites, reinstalled uh, and commissions them to begin offering sacrifices again. They weren't doing that before. This is, this is the setting of our passage today in Second Chronicles. So let me read it for us, starting in verse 1. I'll be reading from the ESV. It says, Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. For the kings and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had taken counsel to keep the Passover in the second month, for they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not consecrated themselves in sufficient number. 
nor had the people assembled in Jerusalem, and the plan seemed right to the king and all the assembly. So they decreed to make a proclamation throughout all Israel, from Beersheba to Dan, that the people should come and keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel at Jerusalem, for they had not kept it as often as prescribed. So couriers went throughout all Israel and Judah with letters from the king and his princes, and the king had commanded, saying, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may turn again to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and your brothers, who were faithless to the Lord God of their fathers, so that he made them a desolation, as you see. Do not now be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever, and serve the Lord your God, that his fierce anger may turn away from you. We'll, we'll finish there. So we see that Hezekiah sends word to both kingdoms, both is the northern kingdom of Israel and Judah, telling them that the temple has been restored and, and to its original purpose, and that the people should come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover together. And we see, starting in verse 6, that he specifically pleads with Israel, the northern kingdom, to return to the Lord, to stop being stubborn and faithless, uh, to stop being faithless people, uh, because that's what got them in this mess in the first place. And, and he urges them to come again to worship and serve the Lord. What led the Israelites away from God? Was it their leaders, the failure of their leaders? Was it unrealistic expectations of God? Was he not doing <clears throat> what they thought he should be doing? Was it that the religions of the nations around them were more attractive? It's probably a combination of these things, but when we look at, the, look at verse 5, we see something that points to Israel's downfall. It says, So they decreed to make a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan that the people should come and keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel at Jerusalem, for they had not kept it as often as prescribed. And that last verse, the NLT translates, the people had not been celebrating it in great numbers as the as required in the law. So some people were still celebrating the Passover. Uh, maybe the priests were privately celebrating. We don't know. But the nation itself was not coming together as a whole nation to celebrate the Passover. And so that's what it's talking about here. And so the Jewish people as a whole had not been celebrating the Passover. In fact, they had not been celebrating any of the festivals that God had put in place. The priests had been dismissed. Sacrifices were not being made for their sins. Um, they were not celebrating what God had done. They were not offering thanks to him in the form of sacrifices. They, they weren't just disobeying God. God was forgotten. I mentioned they hadn't been celebrating any of the festivals that God put into place. All of the festivals that Israel celebrated, that God's people practiced and celebrated, were actually instituted by God himself. And we see that in Exodus 12, verse 14. 
This is the Lord speaking. He says, The day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. He's talking about the Passover. So each year, God's people were to celebrate him rescuing them, not only from Egypt, but from the death of all the firstborn sons in Egypt, that last plague. Why would God not just ask, but command them to celebrate this? Well, it says in this passage, right? The day, this day shall be for you a memorial day, a day to remember. Not only for the generations that experienced that in Egypt, but for future generations. Um, so that generation after generation would reflect on and remember and, and praise God for what he had done. Remembering is an important part of faith because it gives us an opportunity to see what God has done, which in turn strengthens our trust in God and, and, and our hope for the future. And I think we can make a point from what happened in Israel, their rebelliousness and the consequences that followed, we can make a point that Israel forgot. They stopped remembering. And so it seems that not remembering, not stopping to reflect and remember what God has done, actually uproots faith. It leads to a lack of faith. When you and I forget what God has done and what God has promised to do in the future, our faith begins to weaken. Forgetting who God is and, and what he has done, is it's like the spiritual equivalent of letting your car sit in your backyard unused. The tires go flat, everything rusts, the battery dies. Eventually, it doesn't work anymore, right? And so what's the message here? The message is don't forget. And there's a reason that God institutes these kinds of celebrations because human beings tend to easily forget. That's one of the reasons that we make the same mistakes over and over and over, because we forget. And so we need to take time to remember. We need to be habitual about it. It needs to be a habit. Our faith rests on what God has done and what he promises and has promised to do. And so when we forget the, those things, when we, when we no longer remember his works, and his promises and who he is, we are vulnerable to slip into a place of unbelief. The story of the Israelites is a story of forgetfulness and unbelief. God says through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 13, I will scatter you like a chaff driven by the wind from the desert. This is your lot, the portion I have measured out to you, declares the Lord, because... You have forgotten me and trusted in lies. And then a few chapters later, he says, But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to false gods. Like the east wind, I will scatter them before the enemy. It's not enough for us to believe that there is a God, that God exists. God calls us to be his people. And as his people as we talked about last week, as his people, he is our king. 
And so part of being the people of God is doing what he asks us to do, right? Throughout the Bible, God asks his people to remember. And so as his people, what do we need to do? We need to remember, right? When Hezekiah institutes the Passover, what does it lead to? It leads to exactly the reason that God instituted it in the first place. It leads to remembering. It leads to praise and worship. It leads to growing faith. And in verse 26 of our passage, it says, So there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. So we can see what a difference remembering makes. And as the people remembered God's great salvation and his future promises, they were moved to faith-filled worship and celebration. And if you read further, it says that they decided to celebrate Passover on this occasion for an extra week. They didn't want to stop. They didn't want to go home. When we remember who God is and all that he's done, it strengthens our faith. It moves us closer to the Lord, to his plans and to his purposes. And not only that, it prepares us for trials and tribulations that inevitably come. We live in a dark, sinful world, and the unfortunate reality is that pain and suffering are unavoidable. There is always going to be difficult seasons in our life. And we see that just a few chapters later in Second Chronicles here in verse 32, or chapter 32, the Assyrians, the ones who invaded and destroyed the northern kingdom, decide to do the same to the southern kingdom of Judah. But in the midst of this, King Hezekiah encourages the people, and he says in chapter 32, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. He helps us and to, he helps to help us and fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Why do you think Hezekiah was so confident um, that God would fight their battles for them here. Where did this faith come from? They, they had just celebrated the Passover, right? He remembered what God had done, and, and God had delivered Israel from, from Egypt. And so Hezekiah believed that God would be faithful to do it again. And he does. God delivers them. So remembering not only strengthens and upholds our faith, it produces faith and hope for the future. Hezekiah remembered God's work in the past when, when his faith was tested, it stood strong. His faith was supported and strengthened by those weeks of reflecting upon God's faithfulness and celebrating it celebrating his power in the first Passover. And so here we are today with this truth. We see among God's people how forgetting who God is can lead to all sorts of trouble 
and in turn, how remembering can both support and strengthen our faith. This is the reason the command to remember is all throughout the Bible. So what about us? How do we remember? Well, we, we actually continue to remember the Passover as the church, just like the Israelites did. But now we look at it from the other side of the cross. Uh, we celebrate Easter. And in our church here in Pyeongtaek, we celebrate the Lord's Supper at the beginning of every month. During Passover, the Israelites celebrated and remembered God's delivering them from Egypt and again from the plague of death uh, for every firstborn son. And God did that by having them slaughter a lamb and then by taking the blood of that lamb and painting the doorways of their, house, their houses. And in the book of Isaiah, there is a promise of a future lamb one who would be slain to rescue them from eternal death. God promised them that just as he was faithful in the past to deliver them from slavery, he would be faithful in the future to deliver them from the slavery of sin. The, the prophet Isaiah wrote that the Messiah would come like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And when the Messiah arrived, Jesus came and appeared before the people. John the Baptist said when he saw him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the Apostle Paul calls Jesus the Passover Lamb. And Peter reminds us that we were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Again, we remember this together as a church body when we celebrate the Lord's Supper and when we come together uh, every Easter, every spring, we do those things corporately as a church body, but we also have a responsibility to in individually reflect and remember. And it, it, it's a spiritual discipline, actually. It's, it's something that we can't afford to not exercise, to not practice regularly. And it's something that we can practice not only on Sunday, but, but any day. And so we're going to take some time now to pray. I'd like us to, to spend some time reflecting and praying through some things. I'm going to put some things on the screen that I'd like us to, just to take five minutes and, and to go through and pray through each of these things. And, and so you can just do that quietly at your seat. Um, I'm going to play some guitar in the background. But um, you can just read through those, and we'll, we'll take about five minutes, just quietly pray, pray through these things.